Welcome, Thought Leaders. I'm Beck Sands. I'm Andres Lopez Varela, and you're listening to the Thought Leader Show. If you're an ambitious professional, exec, CEO, or business owner looking to grow your personal brand and become a thought leader, you're in the right place. We'll bring you inspiring chats with people who use their personal brand to create successful careers or businesses and become thought leaders in their field. We'll also talk through some of the practical steps and must-dos that you can action to build your own personal brand. And this is what we're most excited about. You're going to see how being a thought leader gives you the opportunity to help others and support people to realize their goals. A personal brand might sound self-serving, but we're here to show you how it can actually have a positive impact on you, your community, and who knows, maybe even the world. Hello, Thought Leaders. Welcome back. It's season two of the Thought Leader Show. Hi, Beck. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are so excited to be here with you in 2024. We're so excited. We didn't get cancelled after our first season. Yay. How good is that? Yay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to start today with a really excellent um, first interview, uh, first chat with um, a real bona fide thought leader uh, in the the marketing business space. It's uh, Ellie Swift, right, Beck? It is Ellie Swift and I've been so excited for this interview because Ellie has been my business coach coach for a long time in the past and she's incredible. Uh, Ellie Swift is a business mentor for high-performing women who are ready to build build soul-led, intentional and profitable online businesses. Indeed. And she has created her own um, Swift marketing method, which is sort of a combination of her experience, but also really interestingly, a combination of how to approach and tackle marketing from like a mindset point of view too. So we're really looking forward to this chat with Ellie. She's she's sort of, uh, you know, um, prolific in, in online circles and, and a real bona fide thought leader. So uh, make sure you, you, you pop in your headphones, turn up the volume and get ready to welcome Ellie Swift to the Thought Leader Show. I'm so excited that we've got Ellie Swift on the show today. Ellie, welcome. So happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be, ha- to, uh, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm clearly very excited in this moment. Uh, yeah, so happy to be chatting with <laughs> both of you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, let's get into it. We obviously, we've just had a little chat off air, but, um, you know, we've obviously worked together in the past. You've been my coach for, for a long time and um, are amazing. So I was so excited to get you on the show. Um, oh. But let's... <laughs> <laughs> but let's dive into, so um, what, how would you describe your personal brand just in a nutshell? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, Beck. I so appreciate that. I just adore you and so, so happy to be here chatting with you both. So uh, I think that question, you know, the default thing that I want to share is my standard one-liner of how I work with my clients, because my personal belief is that when it comes to personal brand, the ironic thing is that personal brand is actually not personal. It's never really about us. It's always about the people that we're serving, right? So, you know, when I think about my one-liner, it's essentially that I'm a business coach and mastermind mentor for coaches, creators, and consultants who are endeavoring to create scalable freedom in their lives and businesses. I love that because people have like that we've interviewed have answered in a variety of different ways and there's no, 
There's no right or wrong. No. There's no right or wrong. Um, I think sometimes it can be like, okay, how do I, you know, how do I want people to feel? But there's so much like miscommunication, I think, around what a personal brand is because a lot of people are like, is, does that, is it my logo and like my fonts or like my photography or my brand colors? And I'm kind of like, well, that's part of it, but it's not quite everything. <laughs> it's so true because as you say that, the way that I see it is that there's multiple definitions of personal brand, but I think those of us that know personal brand really well also know what it's not. And so, as you say, we know that it's not your logo, it's not your colors, it's like it's not that component of it, but it's basically everything or anything that encompasses your personal brand, how you're perceived, how you want others to to feel, how you want others to perceive you. It's like, it's more about that, that dynamic. So I really, really hear you. And I think the premise for this show is so smart because it gets to really allow people to recognize, well, there is no one stock standard definition. So if you're confused, it's okay because the world's confused. And also here's multiple definitions that are really going to support you. Exactly. I think also at the end of the day, it's how you make people feel how they perceive you as well that, that that has a really big impact on the personal brand and so i think you know making your bra- your personal brand you know as as you articulated yours not so much just about you but about the people that you work with and the community you serve i think is probably one of the best ways to make it clear and and not so kind of same same it really does make a big difference and especially when it comes to us doing any kind of like promotional and marketing stuff about about our own work it's kind of the best place to start it makes sense as the most sensible place to start I so agree with that and you know we know that when it comes to marketing and storytelling that everything that we're sharing and communicating that is through the lens of our personal brand is always or always needs to be specifically for our ideal client. And I, and I definitely see with my clients that this is something where people get really confused quite often is they, they kind of put that, they almost don't know how to have themselves here and their customer here. And, you know, for those of you listening to this, I'm putting my hands next to one another right now, because you've got to be thinking about yourself and the person in front of you. Every time you're articulating those stories, every time you're communicating and sharing, I always say to clients, like if you're writing your about page, or if you're writing a post that is about, an experience you've had or a story from your life, your whole objective needs to be about how you can create touch points along the way that are going to be like connection points for your client, your potential client. It needs to all be about you know, what is relevant for them, how they're perceiving that information, what's going to be useful for them. Um, and again, I think so many people really miss that part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, true. it's not, it, yeah. It's not about you. It's about them. It's like about what you're communicating. It's about um, what you're, how you're supporting. You know, your clients, the listeners, the audience, all of that sort of thing. So I love that. And I was just going to say before um, that you know the confusion around personal brand. I think it also extends to thought leadership. And I think just even through this podcast, we've really explored what it means, and it does mean different things to different people as well. It's, it's very true. It's, it's the, I mean, thought leadership specifically, the, the way that I think about that is that ultimately it's about you being a leader of thought. And so if you're being a leader of thought, what does that mean? What does that look like? Again, you've got to think about what are the thoughts that relate to my ideal clients, biggest challenges, 
biggest considerations as it pertains to the thing that I'm selling them? You know, what are the industry specific pieces of information that they need to know? What is it that's out there that I need to have a specific viewpoint around that I can really showcase to them, especially in the current online climate in particular? You know, there's so much messaging out there and we see so much that people end up becoming carbon copies of one another. You can almost see mm. like sometimes. Yeah, without even trying. A hundred percent. And so it's so important that we're always looking at, well, what's my viewpoint around that? What's my unique angle around that? What's the thing that's interesting for me to share on that? Because when you have that unique thought, that unique viewpoint, and you own that confidently, that's going to make you stand out as a thought leader. So really, I think thought leadership is being a leader of thought, but truly being a leader of thought. And that requires us to spend a lot of blue sky thinking as, as entrepreneurs, as visionaries, as, as entrepreneurs around, okay, well, what is it that it's, that is important? I have a viewpoint around and what's really going to support my ideal client. Yeah. And it's so funny on that. Like, I think you do that so, so well in your industry, Ellie. Like, I just think you do it brilliantly, but like, you know, when it comes to thought leaders, you know, in um, corporate, for example, they're so unwilling to give any personal perspective in any way, shape or form. It's like, I'm just going to talk about the industry and like really stick within my area of expertise and not say anything like as it relates to their own opinions or their own critical thinking, um, which is, yeah, it's just, it's such a different kind of field I think when you're talking kind of like online business and like the business community versus the corporate community when it comes to thought leadership. <laughs> let, let, let me ask about that then because I think you hit on an interesting point. So a question for the group, do you think that there can be any true thought leaders working in a company in an enterprise? Like is it possible because a lot of the times – yeah, maybe you're actually not allowed to even provide your personal opinion or it might contradict with the company's opinion. So is it even possible to have, Ellie, like you said, a true thought leader um, in a company? What do you guys think? I love this question. How fun. Okay, so a couple of thoughts. First of all, I so agree with you, Beck. I think that as a it's that mindset, isn't it? And I, and I share this as somebody who comes from corporate, you know, for those of you listening, I worked in corporate for, you know, 10 to 15 years. So I really, really understand corporate, even though sometimes I think I've forgotten having been a business owner for about seven years, but I really understand corporate. And I do think that when you're in corporate, you are in a different mindset because the, the type of thinking that is encouraged in corporate is so different to the type of thinking that is encouraged and required as an entrepreneur. And so yeah. there is almost that that desire or, or need to toe the line a little bit more and be more considered in your approach. And I think that entrepreneurship uh, doesn't encourage as much bravery as entrepreneurship. So because of that, it means that we're probably less willing to really go there with a lot of those perspectives. Now that said, I love this question so much because I can think about a couple of clients that I have, for example, that, you know, uh, uh, executives in their organizations and perhaps have a side hustle or workers coaches as well, or, or do both, which we're seeing is obviously so much more common now. 
And they do have really strong perspectives. And if I were to think about why that is, it's because they're working for organizations that have really fostered that. And so I think that it happens at a C-suite level and at a board level where you know, that's fostered there. And therefore there's an opportunity for those people to, to be thought leaders. And it's really smart if that occurs, because what then happens is those leaders go out and, and are sharing that information that makes them stand out in a way that entrepreneurs who don't have that type of bravery don't do. And therefore it really circles back to that organization being someone who's disruptive and forward thinking and, and innovative and all those things that many, many companies of today and into the future really want to be. And so I think that this is almost something that I guess if we were sitting opposite, you know, C-suite leaders, I imagine we would be imploring them to consider, well, how can you create that trust for your leaders so that they've got the opportunity to go out and, and have those perspectives and share those viewpoints and really own that and not be afraid that they're going to get fired or get a slap on the wrist if they say something that's incongruent. Yeah, I think they absolutely need to foster that more and more in today's world, like especially because, you know, we've got AI now that can, you know, just regurgitate all of the facts and we don't, you know, we need people to have their own opinions. We need people to be providing insight and critical thinking. So I think that absolutely needs to be fostered in in organisations. But, you know, I think my thoughts on your question, Andre, is about, you know, whether thought leaders can be in corporate um, and those kind of entrepreneurs. I think they can because... You know, the, I think thought leadership, well, for me, it's really people looking up to those those other people as, you know, kind of, I guess, leaders in their fields. So it's like they're listening, people are listening to what they're saying. They're listening to, you know, their viewpoints and perspectives. And I think, you know, even if I think about like researchers in organizations, there's certainly some researchers that's you know, are thought leaders and people look up to them for their expertise. Like even in the property, in the property industry, it's like the Property Council of Australia. I used to work for them, by the way. Did you? There you go. When I was 18. Shout out to the BCA. <laughs> Such a small world. I feel like we've, we must have met like at some point in our previous lives, like in PR in Sydney, in Sydney, like at an event or something like that and not even known about it. <laughs> I am so sure that would have happened. And yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I so agree. I so agree. So Ellie, um, let's turn the spotlight back on you a little bit. Let's talk about your journey. Give us an idea of some of the deliberate steps that you've taken to grow your personal brand and sort of, you know, sort of um, carve out that particular niche as a thought leader. Mm. What are some of those steps and how have they kind of changed over time for you? Well, I think what's really interesting is, you know, my, my background was in marketing. So obviously did a, a bunch in PR and then really started to niche more into strategy and, and marketing and comm strategy overall when I was still in corporate. Then at 27, I started to transition into coaching. Initially, I thought I was just going to be doing it as a side hustle and doing life coaching. Quickly started business coaching and it all kind of took on a life of its own. But the, the really ironic thing for me was that, you know, I'd, I'd been in marketing, I'd been supporting CEOs, marketing managers to promote their organizations for, you know, 10 plus years at that point. And then I started my own business 
as a personal brand and I had to eat all the advice that I'd been given, giving to these leaders for a really long time. And I realized how hard they were to digest. Like I realized how incredibly challenging a lot of this advice I had been serving out actually was. And I got to tell you, and I, and I think it's probably taken a few years for me to actually own this publicly and I needed a bit of space and time, but it was incredibly challenging to actually go, well, I'm a marketer. I'm really good at my job, but I'm coming into this industry as a personal brand for the first time. And I feel like I know nothing. And so in some ways it felt like, you know, being a, a personal brand in my work, in my world as someone who previously was more in like client service marketing. I wouldn't say I ever owned a thought leadership role in, in corporate. I just, I think I was actually just not quite there. I think if I'd continued another couple of years in corporate, I would have really started to own that, but I hadn't at that point and at that age. Um, but I really took that on obviously into my business because you have to, right. To make money. And, uh, so I, I really went from one extreme to the another, to another where I was on social media, out there, face to camera. Like I remember doing all my first lives and I was like, hi, I'm Ellie. I'm a marketing coach. Blah, blah, blah. And I was so nervous, like sweaty every time I showed my face on camera, just found it so challenging. So I just really wanted to share that first of all, because sometimes I think that people are like, oh, it's just really easy for some, but actually that's not the truth at all. Um, so I, I really lent into personal brand to build my business because one thing I knew to be true is that if you are any type of service-based business owner, whether it be a coach, a creative or a consultant, which is very much my niche, you need to have you at the forefront because you're not buying a brand, you're buying a personal brand primarily. Like that is what you're purchasing. You're, you know, I'm sure Beck, you can attest to this. You're, you're purchasing from someone who you believe you have a connection with that you truly trust that you think is going to really be able to support you in a very specific way. And so I lent really hard into my personal brand and I did this through sharing a lot of content, a lot of information, showing up live, I think weekly or twice weekly from day dot and being just incredibly consistent with uh, with showing up online and sharing a lot of partnerships, a lot of, uh, like, I remember, you know, people asking me questions or, you know, doing podcast interviews like this. And I would have to think about like, what is my perspective on that? You know, we, we have to work out what our viewpoint is, what our thought leadership is, and it grows and develops over time. And for me, I, I know that part of personal brand and part of thought leadership is building out a really robust, uh, intellectual property again, for, for my industry, that's so important. And that was something that I really lent into alongside my brand and my thought leadership, because I knew that if I wanted people to take me seriously long-term in my industry, that I needed to have clear intellectual property. I needed to have a specific framework that I could really, uh, link back to. And my framework initially, which is the framework I still use today is the swift marketing method. And that was culminated through my own journey and experience of marketing and strategy being the key things when you're building your business combined with mindset. And I really had to learn that the hard way as I was starting my own personal brand. So I hope that answers your question. I feel like I've just answered maybe five questions in one. No, that's good. I, I, I actually, I, I was, I'm glad you mentioned the thing about mindset because that's something that in like observing your work and your content for a number of years, I've realized that that's a real differentiator 
um, for you, certainly, you know, because like I run a marketing yeah. agency uh, and it's a very different mindset to, um, you know, being an in-house marketer or, um, you know, being sort of an entrepreneur or like a, a, a sole trader or something running your own business. Um, but mindset is really important when we're, when we're doing marketing because, um, you know, it's hard. It's, um, it's, it's trying and often the things you do fail um, many, many times before you get anywhere. So the mindset aspect that you bring to the conversation around, you know, being a marketing coach and a mentor, how did that kind of come into it? Because mm. it sounds like, you know, it came from your personal experience, but how did you, because personal experience, you know, is one thing, but how did you sort of like translate that into something that you could then share with people as a thought leader in relation to marketing? I love this question. Okay. So I'll share a little bit about the personal context of how it really became a thing. And then I'll, and then I'll talk about how I wove it in. So, so I remember when I was in corporate and I would be, for example, like media training CEOs of big organizations. And I remember doing that work and I just felt this really intuitive pull so often to want to say things like, Hey, like you get to trust yourself here or like, you've really got this or, you know, just take a deep breath. Like you don't need to feel like an imposter right now. Or like that actually felt like the stuff that I needed to say most, but who was I to say that as a marketer in an agency to these, you know, big CEOs who were there with me purely for a skill set that I had learned from, you know, my, my bosses who were like 30 years, my senior, that was my role. And so I never said those things, but I knew that there was a piece missing. And again, then I went on to have my own experience of this. And I recognized as I was starting my business every Everything that was holding me back was my own fear, my own belief stuff. And then I, I mentioned this briefly before, but it was at this time that I started studying life coaching. And as I studied life coaching, my personal development journey really deepened and I could recognize things about my own perception and awareness of self and how I'd been self-sabotaging and how I'd been holding myself back. And actually, when I allowed myself to look at things through this mindset lens and this emotional, intelligent, inner work underbelly, which was actually kind of 80% of it when we'd just been playing in this like 20% of strategy and marketing, that's when things shifted. And I noticed it with clients as well. You know, I, I then had this role of life coach or this title of life coach that I could draw on in addition to being a marketer. And so for me to ask questions that allowed people to assess their inner world, that, that was very, um, that was just expected that I would do that because of the background and experience that I had. And as I started to lean more into that, my clients were getting better and better and better results. They were making quantum leaps. They were doing these things and moving through things that they wouldn't have normally because we'd really gone there. And for many of them, and I actually started out doing some career coaching for many of them, they've never had these conversations before in their life. And so to have those conversations, to, to recognize those things about themselves, it allowed them to really forge forward in a way that they hadn't. And so that, that was really the backstory around it. And I took my life coaching experience and, and used that as part of the, the framework. So basically it was using my marketing expertise, my strategy expertise, plus my expertise as a life coach um, to, to bring that framework together. So that's really the question that you're asking. But I think 
that experience and those examples are hopefully really supportive because it just became so clear and evident to me how much that was needed. And I think that, you know, speaking to you as someone, as you say, who's an agency owner, I think that there's so many ways to foster that, even if you don't have like life coach training or whatever else. And a lot of it is just more of that, like human to human culture that companies are really wanting to create nowadays. Right. And, you know, just from having this conversation and knowing you via Beck, I, I imagine that that's something that you're really, you know, in tune with and, and considered around. And so I, I think it's, again, it's just an opportunity for everyone to look at, well, if we're talking marketing, like we're talking consumer behavior, we're yeah, talking, we're talking about people. We're talking, yeah, emotions, yeah, exactly. And, and I found as well, working with a lot of fellow marketers, because we tend to attract one another, aka YouTube yeah. being a classic example of that, um, that we're all like deeply excited by inner work, how our brains work, you know, things like self-sabotage and what's holding us back. Like we're so excited about that. So I would just love to see that conversation happen more and more in the marketing space. Mm. Yeah, good. I just Great. think like the stories that we tell ourselves inform our actions and inform yes. like yeah, what we do. And so like, I remember even being, you know, in, in corporate and I was like, you know, still working my way up. And I kind of just made this decision that I was like, okay, I'm going to be the best in my industry at what I do. And then as soon as I like kind of just made that decision, I would just sort of affirm it to myself every, you know, every day or whenever I thought of it. And then my career literally just started going like from strength to strength because I was behaving in accordance with who that person would be. It's not like, you know, I had anything special. It was just that it was like, I just was behaving, you know, in accordance with who someone would be if they were the best in their fields at what they do. So, you know, I just went the extra mile. I like learned different things. I would do the networking, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, the mindset. And then obviously in business, I mean, building a personal brand that, that was so challenging for me as well. I literally resisted live video, I think for the first two years of my business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, even like even like an Instagram live stream I was like I no nah, I can't do it <laughs> but even even your stuff that wasn't live had to be like really overly it had to be like flowers in the corner and really well lit and you had to be like sitting in a certain angle <laughs> even the pre-recorded stuff like it was really uh it was really very specific like the only way you wanted to do it you know I was so self-conscious. I was just like, no, no one wants to see me. Like no one wants to hear me. You know, it was just that, you know, yeah. And then I, and then again, made the decision that like, right, I'm just going to do live streams every single week and then just sort of grew to love it. But I was just like, I have to book it in every single week and just commit to that. Otherwise I'm just not going to do it because it's just the kind of thing that you just can continue to put off. And I think just around personal brand, it really is the kind of thing that you can just resist and put off and procrastinate on and just say, I don't have time to do this. But like you said, particularly if you've got a business, you absolutely need a personal brand. I also just think that personal brand is like the gateway in any industry now to whatever you want. You know, like if you are somebody who's in corporate and you're a leader in corporate, if you flex your personal brand, you are going to get collaboration opportunities, company opportunities, future job opportunities. You know, I've got a, a client that I'm working with at the moment who is in corporate and she, as I mentioned, you know, she's got this side hustle and she works with other women in corporate to help them do other sorts of investing and, you know, have these other side hustles. And I just think that that way of working is 
we're just going to see so much more of that. And so, you know, if, if I, for example, had a child who was going into any kind of corporate career, like I'm going to be the mom who's like, Hey, like secure your handles, like make sure you've got your IP sorted on the internet of like what brand you want to create and allow it to ebb and flow and change over time. Because this is going to be the thing that's going to help you get everything you want, that community, the opportunities, like all of it. Yeah. So like when they're born, just, you know, secure their place at school, secure their handles. (laughs) Hey, don't joke. I'll probably be that person. (laughs) It's important. Like you want to get your name, right? You want to grab your name on IG. Like you're, yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what Ellie just on that like further to that so what because I know you've got um a big audience online what kind of challenges have you come up against when you've been building your personal brand like have you had any you know trolls or negativity or like yeah I know you talk a little bit on your podcast about some of that but I'd love to hear yeah yeah look definitely I I think the biggest thing that I've found challenging is as you're building a personal brand, you're putting yourself out there for people to view you via their own projections and their own lens, and you don't have control over that. And initially I found that quite challenging as someone who's, you know, recovering people pleaser, who really likes to be liked. Um, and there, you know, in those first couple of years, I would have things fed back to me that, was not actually my truth at all. Real misunderstandings. I remember someone once saying, oh, you know, such and such said that, you know, of course you've created that though, because you had a handout to get here. And I remember being like, that's not true. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that would be misconstrued. Um, and I remember feeling a little hamstrung as a, you know, very privileged white woman still of being like, I'm not going to have that conversation because it doesn't matter what I say. I still have a lot of privilege. And so what conversation can I actually have, you know, to defend myself? And then, you know, in turn realizing what does it actually mean or why do I need to defend myself if someone misunderstands me? You know, if somebody takes something that I say and views it in a different way or if someone sends me a DM telling me that, you know, I should get my nose looked at or like, you know, just it goes from the ridiculous to the um, to the more considered response that is still a version of misunderstanding. And actually what I've learned is that ultimately once something leaves my mouth and it's out in the world, the only thing that matters is that I'm rock solid in my values and my truth and I feel safety knowing that, I get to come home at the end of every day and know that no matter what I say and do, I have family that love me. And that's the thing that allows me to go out in the world and speak my truth and share and articulate because I know that I'm loved by the people that matter no matter what. And I think that safety is really important for us as leaders to be able to go out and step outside of our comfort zone to have that safety, especially as women. You know, we, we safety is so important for us. I know biologically for men, freedom is really the thing. Safety for women, so important. Um, so, so that is something that I think about a lot, but I, I just know now that there's almost like an entrepreneurial maturity that's developed where it's like, oh, if someone misunderstands me, that's okay. Like I, I get to trust that 
my reputation is solid enough through the work that I do. That doesn't mean that everyone is going to like me or speak positively of me. That would just be a falsehood for me to think that every single person in the world is going to be doing that. And actually I get to trust that that's okay and it doesn't matter. And the people who are misunderstanding me, who are communicating that with other people, they're probably not my ideal clients anyway. So they're actually doing me a favor. So, you know, I've had to develop a lot of those beliefs to really help me um, because otherwise it would be so easy to see yourself through everyone else's lens and feel a lot of feels around that. And be so like confused by it as well. Cause it's like person A says, this is, this is bad for this reason. Person B says it's bad for that reason. Person C loves it for the same reason. Person A hates it. And you're like, well, what the, what the hell's going on? Like who's, who's, what is this shit? Like who's right and who's wrong? Like it's sort of, you need to sort of, I guess, rise above that. And then like you say, be clear on what value you have and sort of, you know, stay centered on that. It's so important, like that self-belief, because without it, you are going to, yeah, feel like you're kind of spun in this washing machine and, 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 take on, you know, who you are based on other people's perceptions. But actually that's such an unhealthy thing for us to do because people are always viewing us through their own projections. And the sooner we know that and understand that, the sooner we can go, well, who am I? What are my beliefs? What am I standing for? What am I intending with what I'm sharing? And if someone views it in a different way, that's on them. Yeah. And I also think it's not something to be too afraid of because also like I thought, like we were saying before, our thought leadership um, and our personal brands do evolve over time. Like I, I feel like some of the stuff I probably said two years ago, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that now. <laughs> or, <Totally. laughs> you know, so but it's, yeah, but it's almost like, yeah, you just kind of got to also just kind of, I don't know, develop a bit of a thick skin around it or something. Totally. I totally agree. I think, you know, the longer you're in it, just it's that resilience piece, isn't it? I I often talk about it as emotional, um, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial maturity that you just need to kind of grow and develop with that and just allow it to, to not be a problem. And it makes it so worth it when, you know, someone says, I loved what you just wrote there or this really resonated with me. And then you're kind of like, okay, cool. Well, I'll keep going. Like that's kind of like that. Yeah. Exactly. And and actually the other point around this is that thought leadership is actually about attracting and repelling because otherwise you're not doing your job as a thought leader. Probably. Oh yeah. So true. So true. You should definitely be repelling some people. Yes. Like I, I've had occasions <laughs> where I've like done a workshop or a, a presentation or something or a conference or whatever. And then I've had people come up to me and go, oh, I love what you said. I so agree with that. And I've had people also come up to me and say, you had a great presentation, but it was all garbage. I, it was all bullshit. I don't agree with, with any of that stuff and I don't know why you were saying it. I was like, tick, job done. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. And and in so many ways, it's it's like the good PR, bad PR argument, right, Beck? Like, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're getting your voice out there in some way and if, if it's like when is bad PR truly bad PR? So, again, you've got to really trust yourself in your beliefs and also trust that you're going to get it wrong or that you're going to change your mind. And so, again, like this, this self-belief peace is everything because I had a client yesterday say to me, she's a seven figure business owner. And she was like, I know that you had lots of multi seven and eight figure students in the mastermind model. Like what's the difference between them and me? And she, it was such a beautiful question for her to ask because she's looking at her next level in her business. And she was like, what's the difference there? Like, what can I stretch into? And I was like, honestly, I think most of it is just like unshakable self-belief. You know, it's, Mm. it's every turn through everything they navigate 
just coming back to this strong sense of, I trust myself. Oop, I like F that up a little bit, but I trust myself. Okay. I'm going to go again because I trust myself. So yeah. if you trust yourself, you truly can't get it wrong. Even when you get it wrong. Oh, I so agree with that. I feel like Andres is so good with this and he is like my inspiration when it comes to that. No, you are like, cause he, he spoke at, well, he spoke at state of social and literally like, I think you like criticized like a whole bunch of people that were actually in the room. Like, oh, not, no, like no. not like, not like, no. like he was like, and this Woolworths campaign, like here's all the things, wrong. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know they were in the room to be fair. To be fair, I didn't know. I had a go I had a go at Westfield. Yeah, and there was like a Woolworths person. There was a Westfield person in there as well. There was oh, like one of the speakers was from an Ogilvy agency and I had a go at David Ogilvy. Yeah, so, so I love it. And yeah. and was it like so talked about and like did those people come up to you? Like yeah. yeah, they did. They did actually somebody that yeah, I mean people did, and that's what I said like the majority of those people were like, yeah, it's great. It's so good. And then, and then I had a couple of people like, oh, well, you, you don't understand. This is why we had to do it. But I was like, oh, I just absolutely not. no knock on you personally. No, none at all. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you just, I think the, the thing that's like, I don't, you know, it's not to say that I'm always like that, but I think certainly when you're in those situations, I think that you're there to actually, like you said earlier, like really truly think about what does your audience need? And sometimes, yeah, they don't know what they need. And, and like the subject matter of that conversation and that, that particular presentation would have, was about holding up a mirror, um, not just diversity, but ethics and marketing and, and, you know, some of the practices, you know, shifting away from that. And I think, you know, to your point, like I thought, well, what does the audience need? Well, they need to understand that actually they have more power than what they think. Marketers yeah. have a lot more power than they think in terms of shaping public opinion and shaping the choices that we make in our homes with our money, it's a big deal. It's actually a really, really big deal. So actually take it seriously, like act ethically. And so the audience probably didn't know they needed that, but I think I knew what they needed. And so that's how I ended up accidentally offending half of the room. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think you were so passionate about it. Like you were so passionate about it, that it was like, everyone was like, yeah, okay, I'll take that. You know, like good point. Yeah. 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 I got letters. So put it that way. But that's such a great example of brave thought leadership because it's obviously a conversation that wasn't happening previously. And isn't that exactly what thought leadership is? It's like, what's the conversation that's not happening here? And what's my stance on this? And this is where most people aren't doing that. They're going, what's my view on this? Let me just go and see what other people's views are on this. And then I'll choose the viewpoint that feels right for me within that. Whereas, you know, this is, this is true leadership, right? The the leadership part of thought leadership is you owning your viewpoint, not being afraid to share and articulate that. And I imagine just from this exchange that we're having that you also are really happy to have a conversation with someone where they share an alternate perspective and you see some truth in what, like I I imagine you're that type of person just from the the way that we're talking now. And, and I think that also is again, just in sign of a high emotional intelligence and B entrepreneurial maturity is being able to view, view those perspectives in different ways and have these robust, intelligent conversations. Well, this is great. Oh, you can come back anytime and just, and just, just <laughs> love it. Love it. gets me everywhere. I know. <laughs> I know how to roll on podcasts. You West Coast people, you're just all so lovely. You're just all so nice. You know, it's just because we live by the beach. It's all very yeah, chill. That's it. We drive all day because everything's so far away. As we said, like it's very relaxed. 
All right. Well, before um, we wind up, we want to do the Thought Leader 5. These are our five rapid-fire questions. Uh, world famous at this point, I'm sure. Yes. Um, so it's, it's like one of those, you know, just like psychometric things. First thing that kind of comes into your mind, really. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Bang. Number one, your favorite book or podcast, even if it's of the moment? Diary of a CEO. Oh, great one. Great choice, yeah. A I haven't B, read that one yet. Thing... Need to put it on my list. Yeah. Get into it. We need to continue yeah. this okay. rapid fire. <laughs> B, one thing that you love to do the most, unwind and relax. Swim and spend time with my family. Good one. C, or three, I should say. Uh, your dream travel destination, somewhere that's on the bucket list that you haven't been yet. Oh, that I haven't been. Okay. I haven't been. I haven't been. Italy's always a favorite. Um, Haven't been to Hawaii. Really want to go there. Nice. And question four, big one, high stakes, chocolate or cheese? Um, both. Sorry, not choosing. Refuse. Oh, come on. Don't do no. no. <laughs> it's just not both. Even if it's like 51-49, there's got to be a slight. No, it, it changes depending where I'm at my cycle. Woman things. Woman things. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hopefully not both at the same time. I feel like that would give Definitely a lot of reflux. Definitely yeah. not. And finally, number five, what is one golden nugget of advice that you would give to our listeners? I would say like you're going to be scared creating a personal brand or evolving your personal brand or evolving your thought leadership, but like do the thing that scares you because thought leadership really does require a lot of bravery and all the good stuff happens when you lean into that bravery. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I love that. It's all on the other side. It really <laughs> is. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Ellie, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? So you can come on over to my website, which is elliswift.com. I spend uh, most time on both my podcast. So obviously you're a podcast listener if you're listening to this. Shine Online with Ellie Swift. uh, And also my – actually, you know what? The podcast is going to be renamed by the time this is released. I don't know what the name is yet. So we're going to – can we put that in the show notes? Watch the space. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm playing a little bit with with the evolution of that brand at the moment. Uh, and then I also love chatting on Instagram. So send me a DM at Ellie H Swift. I would love to chat um, about what you loved about this episode. Thank you so Thank much, you, Ellie. Ellie. We have Pleasure. loved our conversation today. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me, guys. We just got off the blow with Ellie Swift and what a great chat that was. What a great way to kick off our second season. Um, I really think that that was really eye-opening for me, specifically in relation to how Ellie talked about there was a combination between like mindset and marketing. So, you know, from like a thought leadership point of view, that it's really beneficial and valuable for you to impart to your community, your audience, whatever, um, a combination of those two things of like, working on your mindset, but then working on the actual kind of, you know, the hard skills or the technical skills of your area of expertise and kind of putting that stuff together makes for really, really um, actionable and practical thought leadership that people can actually implement in their own, in their own life. And 
I think that was really a, a really key difference of of her. You know, there's so many marketing thought leaders. We are a dime a dozen, um, but I think that really um, uh, you know distinguishes her as a person of true substance in that space, in my opinion. I, I mean, you know, I love Ellie. I think she's amazing. Obviously, I've been, I worked with her for, for a long time. Yes. Um, yes. I think, uh, look, I, I agree. I think it, you know, I obviously know her work. So I'm really across like the whole marketing mindset and strategy piece. But I think mindset is so key when you're building a personal brand, particularly as a thought leader, because you need to have that confidence and it's not something that's inherent. Like we're not, you know, born as thought leaders and, and like, you know, we're not like, okay, cool. Like I'm ready to build my personal brand. Like obviously if you're a celebrity or something like that, maybe you're more inclined. Like some people are more inclined towards that. But even then, even then, like there's still a huge learning curve and also you, you do need to build confidence, but the only way that you can build confidence is through doing things. And I really loved how Ellie was talking about, um, you know, building not just her personal brand, but also the IP piece, yeah. because I think that is, that's actually something we haven't really spoken about uh, on the podcast, but really your IP is actually... I think quite um, instrumental to building a personal brand as a thought leader because, yeah, because it's your unique perspectives. It's your, you know, perceptions. uh, It's, you know, your critical thinking and that in turn is your IP. It becomes your body of work, right? Like it becomes a thing Mm. that actually people can sort of point to and say, this is what this person was about. This is the value that they they kind of, you know, gave and the things that they taught and I think – you know, we maybe touched on that a little bit when we spoke to like John Priest and Christy Goodwin last season in particular about how, you know, a particular um, body of work or a piece of work could be a strong foundation for thought leadership. And I think in every case, everyone who's mentioned that has said um, that they think that that's really been central to them uh, feeling confident as a thought leader, because to your point, it's a, it's the thing which then you can kind of hang your hat on, and something you can point to, and it's it almost kind of takes on a life of its own. I think uh, with you sort of you know um, standing standing next to it, you know, um, and so I think that that's a really big aspect of of really positive thought leadership because it works even kind of without you to a certain extent. And it can also become your core messaging. Um, so, you know, when you're uh, like, if you've got your IP there and you've got sort of your topics that you'll generally talk about and you sort of are quite well versed in those topics, when you're doing like, say, for example, a media interview or a podcast interview, you can kind of revert back yeah, to your core messages absolutely. or your key messages, whatever, however you want to say it, just, you know, so that, so that you're not sort of at a bit of a loss, you know, which sometimes, you know, sometimes people will ask left of field questions where you're like, Oh, I'm not sure how to answer that. And you can kind of come back to your key messages and your IP and reiterate that, which is like that tried and tested, you know, political interview technique. But it's also, I think it's quite comforting if you've got your own IP and you've got your messaging that you know that you can speak to really well and you sort of develop and hone and refine that over time. Um, and it's also something that can be a real identifier for you for potential clients yeah, as well. Absolutely. absolutely. I was going to say it's the kind of thing which can attract people to you, as Ellie was saying. You know, thought leadership is about attraction and repulsion. It can attract people to you 
because they identify with that. But then as well, people will be repulsed by it. They'll self-select out. And I think that's really helpful because over time, and as you start to work with people and sort of influence more people, then you can just focus on the people that are going to be more most predisposed to your message, right? Because we're all going to have, as thought leaders, we're all going to have, you know, nevers. I used to work with a client who used to call them quote-unquote nevers, and they were the customers who were just, no matter what you did, they would never, ever buy your product or believe in you. And so there are people that are undecided on the fence and, and that's okay. And they might be attracted to your stuff, but then there's people that are actual fans and really committed and they'll be attracted. And so that IP really does help that. And I think you're right. That was a really big, really, really valuable lesson from Ellie too. Yeah. And it's like, don't worry about the people that don't want to be your friend that no. don't want to work with you. Like it's not your problem to worry about it. It's like, it. just go, go towards the, move towards the people that do resonate with your message that really do want to work with you, that you do have that connection with and you can feel it like, you know, you know, so absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, important a, to remember. Such a, such a good message. Great chat with Ellie. Loved it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Thought Leader Show. If you enjoyed this chat, we'd love you to share the episode with someone you think might want to hear it and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more information about my work, visit becksands.com and connect with me on socials. And you can connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. See you next time, Thought Leaders. Can you hear the cat? Uh, Boxy? Can you hear the cat, Boxy? I feel like I feel like she's going to be on what the podcast the... today. Just be like, meow, I think, meow, meow. I think next time we just interview her. <laughs> we just interview her. Yeah, we'll, just, have, we'll just get her on the we'll, show. I think, I think yeah. we'll get a lot of five stars for that. Mm-hmm.